I'm Georgie. And I'm Michaela. And we're here to tell you about the University of Aberdeen. In each episode, we will discuss frequently asked questions about topics such as applications, go abroad, student life, sports and societies, budgeting for uni, and life in Aberdeen. We will be speaking to current Aberdeen students, those who really know what it's like to study and live here. And we'll be getting exclusive tips from members of our amazing staff. Join us for this episode of Ask Aberdeen. So welcome back to another episode of Ask Aberdeen. I'm Georgie and today we're going to be hearing about everything that is available to our students from the student support team. Um, I'm joined by my colleagues Gemma and Duncan. Um, Gemma, do you want to introduce yourself and what you do? Yep. Hi everyone. My name is Gemma Murdoch. I am Lead Student Support Advisor here at the University of Aberdeen. So I'm responsible for the frontline student support team dealing with queries on a whole range of issues, most of which we'll probably cover in today's podcast. Great. Thanks Gemma. And uh, Duncan, do you want to explain what you do? Yeah, so uh, hi guys, I'm Duncan, I'm a student support advisor at the university and yeah, we deal with a a whole range of different issues uh, via the student support email um, or if you call us up, you will uh, be able to leave a voicemail and be able to speak to us, Uh, we'll call her back and see how you're doing. Brilliant, thank you. So we're going to start with something that people ask us is, can anyone use student support? Who is it available to? So Gemma, do you want to explain how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So we are here for all of our students, um, but we're also here for prospective students as well. So a lot of students um, before they come to the university will be interested to hear about the support services that we can offer, particularly if they have specific needs, if they're a carer or they're a disabled student or they have um their own children for example they might want to know about the different support that we have available and funding so we do interact with people um, as applicants and then we're available for all of our students and um, students that are taking a break from their studies as well are welcome to get in touch with our services so we work with with students right the way through their student journey to the point of graduation Um, we also work very closely with staff across the university on student matters and we liaise quite a lot with external organizations as well but in terms of providing specific support that would be for our applicants and our registered students. Brilliant so if applicants most of our listeners are applicants um, how what's the best way that they can get in contact with you if they want to ask for advice before they start studying at Aberdeen? So there's lots of different ways that, that they can engage with us. Um, I mean, the thing that seems to be the most popular, the most common is email. Um, so student.support at ebdn.ac.uk. But we also have an online contact form for our disabled students to let us know about their specific needs so that we can get back in touch with them there. And we are involved in a lot of the recruitment events, a lot of the open days and visits to the university. So if a student would prefer to actually speak to us face to face at one of these events, then they can look out for what's advertised on the website and then arrange to book to see us when when they are visiting Aberdeen. So there's a few different ways, but email tends to be the most popular. Would you agree, Duncan? Yeah, definitely. We get a lot of queries coming in about uh, all the wonderful things the university does um, and we try and help or point those questions in the right direction. Brilliant. That's great. And something else someone raised was, can students come to you at any point during their studies? They don't need to, for example, if they're dyslexic, they might not think to speak to you in first year but they might then decide in later years that they want help can they come to you at any time yeah absolutely and I think that's a really really good question a lot of students when they come to the university are used to having support in place at school but the style of learning is very different at university and they might find that they don't necessarily need support and then later on in their studies as things change as they progress through their course or or try a different course then they realize actually that the support would be quite helpful the other thing to highlight is that our student support team are here to support students 
who are disabled, but also students who have health conditions and health conditions can fluctuate. Um, so some of our disabled students haven't necessarily been disabled at the point of entry. Um, so just to highlight that, yes, students can get in touch with us at any point during their studies in any of the ways that we've mentioned before. And sometimes it will be that a, a member of the academic staff or a friend might mention that the support's available and they realise, you know, actually, I would really benefit from that. So d- different terminology is used when we talk about accessibility and inclusion. And I think that that can be quite confusing sometimes. So yeah. students who have had support in place at school don't necessarily see themselves as a disabled student, particularly when it comes to specific learning differences like dyslexia. So it can sometimes take a little bit of time for them to to navigate through that, that process at the university. But absolutely, we're here at any point during a student journey. And Duncan, I'm sure you've had students who have come to you maybe don't know if they qualify and don't know whether they're the right kind of student, but I presume you welcome everyone. You're happy to chat to anyone and discuss what yeah, might we're, suit them. We're, we're quite a friendly bunch, um, so we're more than happy to speak to absolutely any student who wants to come and just needs to chat or wants to find out uh, more about how, what support we can provide uh, as, as a university. So um, I myself uh, had dyslexia at school, but hadn't actually had an educational psychologist report or anything. So I didn't actually uh, get my support or anything in place until into this well into the second semester so it was the student support that actually helped me get that when I was a student brilliant and on that kind of basis of exam support and maybe in lectures and things for students that need it what kind of things can you put in place that would help them so things they might have had in school yeah, so when we meet with a student, the, the key focus is, is that it's a student-led service. So we'll take a look at a student's evidence, discuss their experiences of study before um, they've been at the university with us. And some of our applicants have, have already had a period of study at college or university, or they've you know come directly from school. So they'll be aware of the type of support that they've had. But I think the thing that I've mentioned before, it's, it's key to note that the style of learning can be quite different. There's a lot more large-scale teaching, lectures, so actually the support that's been in place before is not always the best starting point. It's looking at the individual students' needs. But the type of thing that we will look at are things like extra time in exams, note takers. Um, you know, there's lots of lots of different things depending on the individual student that we can help with. And we can make recommendations for different accommodation, for example, for our disabled students and um, employ campus assistance to help a student get around between classes. So it really does vary. Um, and I think, you know, Duncan, you've mentioned there yourself about the support you've had. You'll have seen that the, the, the support that we can offer to different students will vary completely. Totally. So uh, both me and my uh, twin were actually students of the university and our provisions were completely different, even though we had uh, both had dyslexia, but he, he also had some other things as well. Um, and we, we got different provisions, but both were uh, specific to our needs and what we we needed in our courses as well. So, um, yeah, the, the support is really great. And now being in the team and seeing how particularly disability advisors work with individual students uh, shows the plethora of different uh, support that we have. I think as well from my experience when I was at uni, like I wouldn't have classed myself as disabled in any way, but I used to have eczema on my hands. So writing in exams was difficult and it was painful. So I went to them and didn't really expect anything. And they were really helpful and I got extra time and they let me use a computer and things like that. So I think the message to kind of our listeners as well is to just, just ask and ask for the help and support and you guys will be able to advise them if there's anything available, what you can do. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And I think I think that it extends beyond, you know, medical conditions, mental health conditions and disability as well. If there's anything that's pre- sort of pre- preventing you from conducting your studies in the way that you would hope to any kind of barriers at all to your learning whether it is that the circumstances at home don't make it particularly conducive to study and your personal circumstances mean that you know you're working a lot more part-time hours than you would expect we can look at financial support so it isn't always just about the provisions and the extra time and the things that we can do for our disabled students um you know here in student support we really are here to try and break down any barriers at all that there are in someone's student journey so really the key thing as you mentioned there Georgie is to come and chat to us to speak to an advisor and it may, and it may be that you know we're just offering advice or we're offering practical support things like our hardship funds um or just you know a listening ear somebody to speak to in our counseling team but it may be as well that there are provisions and things that we can do to practically put support in place so the key thing is really just to come and talk as openly as you can about your circumstances knowing that we won't discuss that with the academic teams either so a conversation with with the student support team does remain private within the department um, and we'll make recommendations for support without necessarily giving details to anyone else about why we've recommended that support. That's great and you mentioned there the hardship fund so that's obviously like a different element you're not disabled necessarily to receive that how does that work can you expand a bit on that? Yeah, so that's a huge part of the work that, that the student support team do within the department. We have hardship funding that comes from a, a variety of different sources, but the primary source would be the, the government discretionary funds. So that's available for students who are in receipt of the maximum student loan that's available to them, so UK-funded students. And if they find themselves in unexpected or exceptional financial circumstances, we encourage them to make an application to that fund. What we do say as well is that there will be other hardship funds available throughout the year for different students from different backgrounds, um, depending on the circumstances and and the, the offering from the government at the time. But the key thing is that if any student find themselves in financial hardship, that they come and speak to the student support team and we'll do our our best to help. Um, And, you know, Duncan and I and and our colleagues work on a range of sort of support for people in financial difficulty. But we also are really keen to help educate people on their finances, provide budgeting skills and workshops. And I know, Duncan, you did a talk just recently um, about money skills to new students. Yeah. So and uh, it went really well. It was nice to see uh, students in campus and uh, just different questions that uh, we, we bring up and uh, that students may not have thought about before coming uh, or living on a budget. What does that mean? How do you sort all this stuff out? And we try and help educate students to do that, um, to live within in their monthly budget. And we also try and show them where there's uh, that they might be able to receive money as well um, and help them with that as well. That's really great. I presume you might get, maybe get more students who have once they've left university accommodation who then struggle with finances and things when you have to pay for your bills and your Wi-Fi and everything differently. Is that something that comes up? Yeah, absolutely. We talk about transition points when we're, you know, when we're talking about students and coming to university is a huge transition and getting set up and organised and getting used to all the, the student loan functions and the different, you know, the different terms around student money. But you're right, a huge transition point is then leaving that kind of supported environment in the halls or the student accommodation and starting to think about having to budget for the things that might have been included in halls. 
that's one fantastic thing about halls is is that you're paying for a full package and don't often have to worry about these things um so yeah there's lots of support and we work quite closely with our resident assistants to try to ensure that we are providing students who are leaving our halls with you know a package of support that they, they can then take forwards into their new accommodation I think as well, um, we've done an episode where we, some of our students talk about their finances and like how much does it cost to live in Aberdeen and what should you budget and things. So if any of our listeners are thinking, wanting to know a bit more about finance and budgeting, then there's a podcast on that as well, Budgeting for Uni and a Student Life one. So you can jump across and listen to those as well. Um, something else that the uni offers is the Student Helpline. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that, please? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a student helpline, which is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's run by an external company, um, but they work very closely with us to ensure that there's support round the clock for our students. So we do tend to advertise that for out of hours from 5pm through to 9am and then right the way through the weekends and the university closed periods as well, like the Christmas and festive breaks. Um, there's fully trained counsellors online at all times that a student can call to speak to if they're in crisis or just need to kind of talk through a scenario or a situation, a pressing concern. They can also provide some consumer advice um, during the working day as well. So it's it's just really helpful, I think, for students to know that there will always be somebody available from, from an approved supplier at the end of the phone if they did need to speak to somebody um, out with the hours that the traditional support services are open. And the other thing to highlight is as well is that for our students in our university-owned halls, our resident assistant teams work overnight. So they tend to work from 6pm through to 6am. So that's another out-of-hours service that our students can rely upon for support. That's brilliant. I think that's really nice that like when you know the SU is shut and you can't go and speak to someone, there's always someone there to speak to anyway. So that's really good. Um, and something else, I think Duncan, you maybe mentioned this already, is if students are concerned about somebody else, can they come to you and and kind of raise concerns about a friend or whoever it is? Yeah, totally. So um, we obviously want to make sure that everyone's looked after in this uh, in our community um, uh, as a university. So if, if you're worried about a friend or just want to talk about things that are going on in their flat or anything at all that can come to us, um, we can reach out to that friend. It could be anonymous uh, and we can just do a check-in to see if they're all right, if they want to chat and just let them know uh, what, what services that we have. So we would normally point out that we have the counseling services, uh, and we also have the chaplaincy team as well, as well as this, uh, uh, the university uh, hotline that they can call as well. Brilliant. And something else that um, I've just thought of is parents. Sometimes I think, do parents ever call with concerns about their child? Are you allowed to talk to the parents about that child? Um, Gemma, I don't know, do you want to? Yeah, so we we do receive quite a lot of um, communication with, with students' parents and we need to be clear that um, our students are adults and that under the regulations, the GDPR privacy regulations, we're not allowed to disclose information about our students to anyone that calls, whether that's somebody, you know, a friend or a family member that are, are getting in touch. But we're aware that it can be a really tricky transition for parents and it can be really hard if a parent is, you know, quite far away or are, are worried. So, you know, our advisors will speak to any kind of external caller, whether that is a parent or a member of the public about their concerns and try to reassure them, give them some advice and support um, in terms of support services they can be contacting and different ways that they can escalate their concerns. But the key thing for us is that any note of concern that we receive, regardless of who that comes from, we will ensure that we 
speak to the student, establish their health and well-being and provide them with information about the support services that are available. And what we will then do is encourage the student to then speak to the person who has raised concern um, to do that directly. Or in some cases, we will obtain consent from the student to speak to their parent or whoever has raised concerns so that we can kind of close that loop of concern. Um, Because we do appreciate that it's a worrying time for parents if they're not necessarily hearing from their young person um or they have you know specific concerns but you know it is important as well that we comply with the regulations that mean that we can't provide specific details back yeah that's great i think that's reassuring for parents that there's always someone who will go and check if they if they've got a genuine concern so that's really great um something else we offer is the counseling service um so duncan do you know how that works and how do students kind of use that service if they need help yeah, so uh, at present, you can email the counselling team to make an appointment. Um, their email address is counselling at abdn.ac.uk. And so they can be reached out. And what happens is that it's, you get an initial appointment and you go to that appointment and then you talk through whatever you want to talk about. They kind of make uh, some suggestions and some things to reflect on. And then if you want to have a follow-up appointment, uh, you then email the counselling service again. So it allows you to be seen quite quickly uh, reflect on it and then to go as many times as you as you would like um, without uh, filling up the, the uh, counseling block so as many students can go in and see the counseling team as possible and just to be clear to our listeners I presume that's all completely free to our students as well all the services are yeah, yeah, absolutely. The counselling service is, is completely free of charge to fully trained counsellors. Um, and as Duncan says, the, the system that they work means that there isn't a waiting list. Um, currently, it's around about two working days to see a counsellor. So it's a relatively responsive service. That's great, because that was another one of my questions was, is there long waiting times and things to get support? But it doesn't sound like there is at all. No, I think it can be a bit of an urban myth. I think that that's perpetuated in the media um, when talking about these sorts of services. But we're very lucky that the system works really well. Um, So students can self-refer, arrange an appointment to see somebody relatively quickly. And if they need to or want to continue to speak to the counselling team, they can book unlimited numbers of appointments. Um, But the counselling team will also work together with students to look at other support networks um, refer into some other support services or provide students with some self-help information and directive websites to really help them um, on their journey. Brilliant and if a student ha- like happens to miss any lectures or even exams or things because of an illness or disability how, how can the university support them in those instances? Yeah, so the, the, the support and the advice on that really depends on the level of study. Um, but students are able to self-report their absences via their, their student hub, the online system. And then depending on their level of study or the length of absence, they may need to provide some evidence to support that. If it is a disabled student that we've already spoken to, we may already have a provision for allowance for poorer attendance in place, which means that the, the trigger point for um, that causing a concern to the university will be slightly slightly longer um, but the key thing is communication just making sure that students know that it's absolutely fine to miss a class for genuine reasons or even to miss an exam there will always be opportunities to make that up again but they need to ensure that they're communicating either directly with their department or with the support services so that we can ensure that the correct information is, is popped onto the systems and to make sure that they get the opportunity to then take that time back brilliant and something I was thinking as well is if we have any prospective students listening, um, you can always speak to the student support team as well at things like open days. 
Um, so when it's on campus, you can go and um, meet them and kind of have a chat about any of your personal circumstances. Because I know a lot of people listening will be thinking about their personal situation, which can be very different to somebody else's. Um, but we also have our virtual open days at the moment as well. So you can always go and speak to student support and ask more generally from a parent's perspective or kind of ask really specifically what support is available to you. Um, was there anything else you either of you wanted to add um, about the support we offer? I think the key, the key thing to highlight is just that the support services are all non-judgmental services and we're not we're not here to direct students um, in a specific path. What we will really look to do is identify the students' individual needs, talk about how that impacts on their studies and their life, and then really look at lots of different opportunities and routes to assist with with any concerns that they have. Um, And the support teams, we all work a little bit differently and we all have slightly different responsibilities, but we work very closely together um, so that we can identify where another service might be more appropriate for our students. But the key thing is always just to ask for help. Um, All staff at the university play a student support role regardless of their specific job title and any member of staff would be happy to try and help direct a student to the the right team. Um, So really the key thing is communication and just making sure that if there is something, whether that's a long-term issue or something that comes up during the time that you were studying with us, there will be plenty of people around to help. Yeah, very good advice. Did you want to add anything, Duncan? Yeah, no, I just wanted to reiterate that's, uh, that we're always here to to, to speak um, as a student support team. It, well, no matter how big or how small, if you feel you need someone to speak to, uh, we are here and we give you a call and we just listen um, and uh, we'll see how we can help or we can just uh, just listen to what you, what you have to say. Um, and we often find that quite a lot of students will have a phone call and be able to get something off their chest and be able to uh, just get that out of their head and then focus on what's going on ahead, basically. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for providing your expertise on the area. And I'm sure that's reassured a lot of listeners. Um, You might have some of them contacting you with questions. So if our listeners do have any questions, you can look on the website. It's probably the easiest way to get the contact details and then get in touch with our student support teams and they'll be able to help you. Um, If you have missed any of the episodes um, that we've had so far, you can check them out wherever you're listening to this podcast or the university website. And there was those ones about budgeting for uni and things like that if you want to catch up on those. And we have some more episodes coming up. So thank you very much to Gemma and Duncan. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Ask Aberdeen podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic we should cover, please email us at ukteam at abdn.ac.uk. We would love to hear from you. To be alerted about new episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.